Hey everyone, welcome back to the second episode of Commercial Relocation Happy Hour with both of your co-hosts. I'm Rob Clark and on the other line is Ed Katz. How you doing, Ed? I'm doing great. I hope you had a wonderful Thanksgiving. I did have a wonderful Thanksgiving and like most people, I, I did what I shouldn't do and I ate way too much. I gained a quarter of a pound. This is the first time in my life that I paced myself, so I'm a happy camper. I'm impressed because you and I spoke just before Thanksgiving, and you were fearful you might put on, you know, five to seven pounds. So you did You did well. I, I really gave it an effort this time. <laughs> Good for you. Did you drink any wine? That's my question. Uh, I don't hear what you're saying, uh, Rob. It's breaking <laughs> up over here in Mississippi. It's, we have a storm today, so I didn't hear that question. It's just that one word that gets kind of muffled, right? Wine. That's the only right. word you yes. don't understand. Yeah, yes. gotcha. Oh, am I whining? No, I'm not whining. <laughs> well, you ready for episode two? You ready to have a little fun and have a little conversation about uh, commercial relocation and, and the, kind of the business in general? I'm ready to jump in when you are. Well, this episode, number two, is going to be about how to grow your business, Ed. And I think um, with the years of experience and what you've accomplished in your your career, I think it's only right that maybe I ask you a few questions on on, uh, this subject. You okay with that? Far, Far away. So tell me, Ed, what, why do you think it's important to keep growing your business? I mean, you know, some of these relocation companies get a little bit of you know, client, some, some, uh, return business, if you will, that kind of continues to be there, but they don't, they don't necessarily go out and try to grow their business. Why is that so important? Well, you know, I started my own moving company and, uh, ran it for 24 years. And one of the things I learned early on was if I chose to be at my comfort level and didn't continue growing my business, I realized early on that my cost of doing business we're going to rise regardless. For example, my insurance premiums never went down. My utility costs always went up. Taxes always went up. And if I didn't increase my revenue every year, I'd wake up one day and my expenses probably would have exceeded my revenue. And then we would have had a loss. And then we ultimately probably would have gone out of business. So in my opinion, you have to always Focus on growing your revenue, growing your business. So, so you might have some listeners to our podcast, Ed, who are in the uh, the household good side of the business and might be trying to decide how do I grow my business? How do I, you know, get into that commercial side of their business of that business? What recommendations and, do you have for them? Yeah, and from my experience of traveling the country and teaching seminars in person, my office moving seminar in person, what I found was most moving companies that have maxed out in their revenue for household good, they look to office moving and get into office moving as a way of diversifying the revenue, but also of increasing the revenue. And in my opinion, um, if they don't have the training, if they don't have the experience, if they don't have the equipment, um, they can end up losing money. Um, they, they want to diversify. They say, well, what do you need for office moving? Trucks and labor. What do we own? We own trucks and we have labor. So it's a natural, logical progression. But just for example, if you do an office move the way you would do a residential move, your jobs 
probably won't finish on time for the price quoted. We use the bucket brigade, which is like a human conveyor belt where we pass the furniture down the line from one employee to the next. Well, you know, on a residential move, you got the guy who stays on the truck, the loader, yep. and the crew goes into the house and what they pick up, they carry down to the truck. That's not the bucket brigade. And so I think a lot of and, movers find out the hard way that. And it's at the, the, and it's typically at the direction of the guy loading the truck because he's right. putting a big puzzle together. He right. Needs exactly. To right. Kind of direct what pieces I want to make this work. Right. I think they learn then the hard way um, that the techniques and processes that you use on household good really don't apply for the most part to an O&I office move. One of the things that, that stood out to me getting into the commercial part of the business, when you talk about, you know, how do you, how do you grow that part of your business is you, you said it, the equipment that you have to have, it's not the same equipment that you use. It's not the same as far as preparing the furniture. When I think about a household good move versus a, uh, a commercial move. So talk a little bit about the equipment that you think is necessary for somebody getting into that part of the business. That's a really great question. It's funny. <laughs> we had to change the line behind our refrigerator the other day. And I have, of course, from being a former owner of a moving company, I have several four wheel dollies still in my possession and we needed a two wheel hand truck to pull the refrigerator out. And my wife said, well, get your dolly. That's what she called it. And I said, <laughs> I don't have one. She said, I thought you were a former owner of a moving company. I said, I was. And I told her that even though we had a thousand four-wheel dollies, we owned one hand truck. And it was what we called Big Red with the kick-out wheels. In other words, we never used hand trucks on office moves ever. We would use the appliance dolly, the big red on occasion. But that just goes to show you that to me is the, the, the biggest and best example of the difference in the equipment where when we did an office move, once we dollied up the furniture at the old location, the origin, it stayed on the dolly on the floor of the truck and didn't come off the dolly until it arrived safely inside the new location. And we didn't stack the furniture floor to ceiling front to rear, we just floated it, kept it on the dolly, on the floor of the truck. So, I mean, it's the difference between night and day. Yes, there are trucks. Yes, you have labor. But I think those are the only two similarities, Rob. Yeah, I agree with you, Ed. I mean, I remember those big kickback dollies. And, and you know, I think of them more as an appliance dolly. It was always for the refrigerator or something like that. And you're right, we don't use them. But the thing that you, you just mentioned that stood out to me getting into the commercial part of the business was how, based on your process, everything stays on a four-wheel dolly. Nothing gets put off the dolly and then re-dollied when you get to destination. And I think that's just brilliant. I still know some commercial movers who don't do it that way. And just from the efficiency standpoint... It's just a much, much better way to uh, move goods. I agree. I, to this day, if my life depended upon it, Rob, could not load household good furniture, stacking it on a moving van. It's 
I'm not a visual person. And I would say, go up and get me something. And they would bring it down to the truck and it wouldn't fit. It's, it's a puzzle. It's an art. I don't think it's a science. I really believe it's an art. And the way we teach office moving loading uh, for putting the furniture on the truck, we've really simplified it because the industry still puts the puzzle together even when they just floor load it. What we do is we tie each individual piece that is large individually off onto the sidewalls. And we put the crushables down the middle and it doesn't matter how the furniture comes down to the truck with our unique way of loading a, a moving van we have a place for it as it comes down. We do, on, on an office move, when I had my moving company and what I teach and preach to this day is we don't say go up and get me a file cabinet or go up and get me a desk. We say pull everything by office. As it comes down, it gets loaded as if it's on a conveyor belt. It, it's, it's just so much more efficient. Yeah, I agree. And uh, when you start talking about, you know, how you strap to the sides, and I don't want to get into it too much, but that's your desks, that's your bigger, heavier type things that get secured to the side, and then crates or bin boxes or speed packs, some people call them, and chairs and things like that would fill the center. And boy, you can turn trucks on a on a much quicker pace when you do it that way. And that's the that's the you know thing about a, a commercial move. It's about getting it on the truck, getting it to the new location and getting it into that new space as quickly as we can because we're trying to minimize that downtime for our clients. So I think uh you know your process and what you've come up with in, in doing that has just been fantastic. Um, Thank you. <laughs> I don't want to get too you know there's a lot of other equipment and there's some other things that you could use uh, or, or I would think at some point you would want to have and use, and I'm just going to kind of say some names. We don't have to talk about it too much, but y your product, which are matadors for when you're in buildings, you know, you're a guest in a property manager's home and using the proper uh, building protection, whether it's the masonite, the matadors, things like that to protect that space that you're in are, are crucial, I think, as well, Ed, as well as, uh, you know, your comp your wraps. The last 15 years for me or 12 years for me have just changed the way we move uh, computers, the way we move glass. And some people might be surprised to hear that, that, you know, you move glass. What does that have to do with a CompuWrap? I've seen Ed's site, but don't really know what that means. It, I, I can't remember the last time I broke a, a piece of glass on a desk, Ed. It just hasn't happened with the, the way we move it instead of using those old A-frame carts. Do you want to talk a little bit about that? Yeah. At one time, I think it was around 1992, I drew a line, I drew a line in the sand, Rob, and I said, we are never going to move glass again. I used to think Elijah the ghost worked for us because <laughs> invariably we break glass, a glass tabletop or glass on top of a desk or on a conference room table. Somehow we'd break it and nobody knew who, who did it. And that's why I used to think there was a ghost on the move that somehow miraculously <laughs> kicked it or bumped it or dropped it. And um, we were breaking so much glass that I was going to outsource it to a company that created. So they would come in, pick up the glass, create it and move it and set it in place at the destination. The problem is it was outrageously expensive and we were pricing ourselves out of the market when we bid it that way. At one time I was going to 
paint a slogan on the side of my trucks that said, we will break your glass for you very carefully because we get such, such terrible experience in moving glass. Well, I had to come up with a solution that was affordable and efficient. And that's when we discovered you could bond the glass to the tabletop. You could bond the glass to the top of a desk or a conference room table. And we did that with stretch wrap. And then to protect it once it was on the truck, we took our compu wraps and we put a layer of compu wraps on top of the secured glass and stretch wrap the compu wraps to the glass. And they acted like a shock absorber, like a buffer, like an insulator. And I'll, I'll tell you, I, I know my clients who are moving companies have moved probably tens of thousands of pieces of glass without breaking it. I mean, it really did work. And, you know, we didn't follow the followers. We, we found, we benchmarked, this is how the industry does it now. They move them in mirror cartons or they put them on A-frame uh, uh, dollies and they have a lot of breakage and a lot of damage. And I said, well, that's how the industry does it, but it's not viable. So we had to come up with a, a better way. And I'm going to touch on one of the reasons I absolutely love the way, and, and thank you for coming up with that. You know, obviously the breakage and, and that is a, the loss that you might have, claims, things like that. But for me, the bigger reason was the safety issue. I mean, when glass breaks, uh, you know, trying to lift, a, you know, a quarter inch piece of glass off a six foot desk by 36 inches, I mean, it, it can snap on you. And, and a lot of people's tendency is to try to, you know, catch or grab or save that item, whether it's glass or whatever it is that's falling. And that's how accidents happen. People get cut and, and we, we want to avoid that. That's the biggest benefit I, I think that uh, your process has is it's just created a much safer environment for our guys to work in i always wondered why is it just lifting the glass off the top of the piece of furniture why did it break i was on one end of the glass on a on an office move and i and my co-worker were lifting the glass off and my side snapped and i i, I was careful i was doing it the right way and then i found out the reason it broke when glass is first delivered when it's brand new they put these things called spacers you've probably seen them they're either made out of felt or plexiglass little discs and they put that between the top of the glass and the piece of furniture and that keeps there's actually a layer of air between the glass and the top of the furniture and so then one day the company moves and the mover removes the glass if they're doing it the conventional way from the top of the furniture. And some of these little plexiglass spacers fall on the floor. Eh, no big deal. They leave them there. They don't see them. And then when they place the glass back on the furniture at the new location at the destination, it looks perfect. Some spacers are missing. Some are still in place. Now fast forward three, four, five years later, Another moving company comes in to move the same customer again, but now some of the spacers have been gone for two, three, four, five years. And where they're missing that piece of glass, because there's dust and oil and stuff in the air, that piece of glass where there's no spacer literally gets glued to the top of the furniture. So again, the movers are clueless. They don't know about the spacers. 
you got one guy on the side that has the spacers and a guy like me on the other side where there are no spacers and they go to lift and the guy who's lifting keeps lifting and lifting and the guy like me where it's actually glued to the top of the furniture won't lift till they reach that point where the glass snaps breaks cracks and that's the rest of the story nobody taught us that when we went to mover school but i learned through that terrible school of hard knocks and that's why i came up with the idea of bonding the glass to the top of the furniture the furniture itself believe it or not well you know it it acts like a crate and it really does work so we, we got off a little bit off topic uh because the question was about growing your business but i think it's important that if you're going to get into the commercial side and try to grow that business having the right type of equipment and the right amount of equipment is very important to be successful. So that's kind of why we, we got on that a little bit. And I think, Ed, you know, people who might be interested in reaching out to you and talking to you more if they haven't, uh, it, well, let's just say this, if they haven't been to your site, if they don't know what IOMI is, the International Moving Institute, can you tell them where to go to, to find your information and kind of get some more information on what you provide? They go to office moves moves.com and you can see uh, our training that we have online that's affordable to everybody um, to learn the best practice methods for estimating a job for minimizing the risk of damage to the furniture and electronics and the buildings you're moving from and to and how to finish the job on time for the price quoted all that's on our website office moves O-F-F-I-C-E-M-O-V-E-S dot com. And anybody that wanted to call me, my phone number is 404-358-2172. That's 404-358-2172. And whether you're a client or not, if you have questions, I'd love to talk to you. Really would. So you mentioned the moving part of your seminar, but you also do, you know, whether it's marketing and the question that we have before us, growing your business. And so if a household good mover decides that I'm going to jump into the commercial arena and I want to start, I know I need the equipment, I know I need this, but how does that company start to generate opportunities? Where does he go to find business in the commercial world? Well, first of all, let's, if you don't mind, I'd like to backtrack sure. a little bit. I think there are three ways the average residential mover gets into office moving. They could do it the way I did it, which I urged them not to, which is I'm a graduate of that terrible school of hard knocks where I didn't know that I didn't know. And I did trial and error. And I remember one of my competitors, sales uh, people telling me, what you do is you use Cuban pounds you multiply the cube times seven, you get uh, the number of pounds you're moving and three guys can move a thousand pounds or a room of furniture per hour. Did you ever hear that before? Sure. For yeah. household good. And then if you're bidding on an office move, you use the same formula, but if there's an elevator, you add 10%. If there's a long carry, whenever the, whatever that is, right? But if there, there's a long carry, you add another 10%. And so I tried that. And I found that there was absolutely no relationship between Cuban pounds and how long it takes to do an office move. And what happens is that 
if a residential mover dabbles in office moving without a formula for estimating accurately, they'll probably get the move because they're, they're the lowest bidder and then they won't finish the job on time for the price quoted. And when the bill exceeds the estimate and they don't collect what they bill, then they're, they're gonna have problems. And then sometimes they've really underestimated it using the cube and pounds and the 10% formula. And the job, instead of going eight hours, goes 10, 12, 14 hours, fatigue sets in with the crew. And when they get tired, that's when they're prone to having injuries. When they're tired, that's when they can have claims, damage claims. So it's really important not to be a graduate of the School of Hard Knocks, but instead to get get some training. And I, another way that you could learn the business uh, would be to go work for somebody else. That's one of the things I did before I started Peachtree Movers. I was a mover helper for Aaron Van Lines, uh, an agent for Lion Van Lines back in the old days. And we specialized in everything. You name it, we were experts in it. <laughs> we did apartment moves, house moves, international crating, packing, and of course, office moves. <laughs> but I learned early on how challenging office moving can be, and you got to be highly organized and anticipate everything. And but I did learn a lot working for about six months, uh, not just as a mover helper, but I ultimately got into sales and I was estimating jobs and again, didn't know what I was doing. And then I became a general manager and a branch he opened up and I really didn't know what I was doing, but I got the exposure that I needed to see that there was a need for doing it a better way. And then of course, the third way of getting into office moving would be to hire a consultant, somebody that's a, an expert that could teach you everything you needed to know about office moving. Or again, we offer through our school, our online school, everything you need to know about office moving with an online seminar. So I think, you know, to me, hiring a consultant or, you know, taking training through somebody that really knows what they're doing is the best way of going about it. So when, when you say a consultant, is that, would that be like looking for somebody who's been selling commercial moves that might be working for a competitor or what will be a competitor and bringing them over? Well, I am not really in favor of that. It sounds like a salesperson that you hire away from a competitor who's got a large book of business. He's been around a long time. He knows how to quote jobs. And so he has habits, you, his own habits. Yeah. Hmm? He has his own habits, his way of doing things. That's right. His way of doing it. And then you hire him and he brings his customers with him. And that, I mean, that can work. But the problem is if you don't have the support process in place so he books a big move and you guys are doing the move the way you do a residential move which is not the bucket brigade and you stack the furniture floor to ceiling front to rear the job's not going to finish on time for the price quoted he's going to lose the customer that he brought over and you're going to have trouble collecting what you bill. So that's the problem of hiring a salesperson away from someone else. That's a quick and easy way on the surface of growing the business and getting into office moving. But if your crew 
has the household good mentality of doing moves, it's it's going to implode. So you're, and, and I agree with you, and I think, you know, what you're saying is when you want to go into that arena of car, commercial moving, you need to be patient. You need to take baby steps. You need to let it grow organically by implementing the right processes, by having the right uh, equipment and procedures and the right staff that knows the right way to, to, uh, to execute a move. Is that what you're saying? Rob, yeah, you said that so well. <laughs> <laughs> you know, they say you're supposed to walk before you run in office moving. I believe you need to crawl before you stand up. You know, if you're going to get into office moving and you learn the, the right way of doing it, related to what you just said, I wouldn't bid on the very large moves because you won't, you can't buy experience. You still need the experience and your crew needs the training and the experience on how to do it and do it right. See, you're reading my mind, Ed. That was going to be my next question. Look at you. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I, I just seen too many movers that they, they have the training and they know how to do it, but they don't have the experience. And so I also found that everybody and his uncle wants to bid on the really large moves. And that's when the bidding process becomes very competitive. So the margins become much lower on these bigger moves. A lot of times the moving industry reacts to a big job, like whatever they say, we can do it, no big deal. The customer controls the service provider and a lot of times on big moves, because everybody wants that big move, the customer has too much power, doesn't listen to the moving company, doesn't listen to the service provider, and it's, it, it ends up bad. Well, the the other thing I've noticed in our market is a lot of, uh, you know, house of good movers that want to get into this arena, uh, a lot of times that fail to, and don't realize it, but fail to have the insurance they need to be in certain types of buildings or what clients might require of them to, to perform work for them. So that's an issue that they run into. That's right. We had a $5 million umbrella for real property damage. And the industry at the time when I had my moving company, Peachtree Movers, typically only had a million dollar umbrella or no umbrella, believe it or not, just minimum standard insurance for the industry. And um, one of our differentiators was we were one of the few movers in Atlanta at the time that had a $5 million umbrella. And uh, that sounds like a lot of money, but not when you realize the kind of damage that the moving company could cause in an office building. There was a moving company that did a move in downtown Atlanta. I kid you not. They did over a mile's worth of wall damage. And that sounds like an exaggeration, but think about it. If you damage the walls on both side, on both sides of a hall, and you're pushing the furniture in and it's a big footprint 10,000 square feet 15,000 square feet per floor and you're moving in several floors and you didn't put up proper building protection and your crew is not trained you have a bunch of temps temporary labor people working on the job you can't necessarily go back and spot paint touch up walls you might have to paint the entire wall or not gonna not gonna blend in so you can see where that could ha that could happen 
Yeah, I mean, cheat rock, you might be doing some mudding, some taping, some sanding. I mean, there could be a lot involved to get those walls. That's right. So uh, I agree, you know, using building protection is, is very, very important. Well, let's, uh, I think this podcast has been good. This is episode two, how to grow your business. How about Ed? Can you give us, you know, a few bullet points on what we want to highlight for, uh, our listeners when they're trying to grow their business in the commercial world? I think office moving is a great opportunity to diversify into, but recognize from the start, as I said earlier on, there's the difference between night and day between doing an office move and doing a residential move. You got to have the training, you got to have the right equipment, and you're not going to go out and buy a thousand four-wheel dollies to start your office moving business. And if you end up renting your equipment in the long run, you're not going to make much money. You do really need to own it because renting the, the equipment has the logistic problem of picking it up and returning it. And then they, if you don't count accurately, you're going to be back charged for missing equipment. So start small, grow your business slowly, control the service and your reputation as being somebody that provides a stellar service, a wonderful service will precede you and make it easier to book moves. On the other hand, if you jump in and get a large move and you don't finish it on time and it's a highly visible move and they're not open for business the next working day because you underestimated it and your crew mutinies and you cause extensive building damage because you were understaffed and didn't have the right equipment. You don't want that kind of reputation preceding you. That'll really hurt you, hurt you in your marketplace. So, you know, get trained, get the experience, buy the equipment you need at the time, grow your business slowly, but you do want to focus on growing. Absolutely. Um, and, and one thing I want to touch on, Ed, that I think is you've always made it very important to me for growing your business is building those relationships with the right people. Can you just touch real quick on, you know, when you want to get into that world, who are the people, whether it be, well, I'll let you just tell us who it should be that you should go out, introduce yourself to. I think that's a whole nother topic for another. Should podcast. we do, should we do that on a different? Okay, let's do that. Yes. Let's because save I that would like then. to spend a lot of time drilling down and giving them the nitty gritty, okay. the real nuts and bolts on how to develop those relationships. So this will just be a tease for that future yeah, episode. Yeah, that's a tease. There you go. Okay, well, then <laughs> this has been a, uh, a fun episode, Ed. Uh, how to Grow Your Business, episode number two. Thank you guys for joining on this episode, Ed, and I really appreciate it. We look forward to having you on our next episode. And until then, go sell another move. Bye, everyone. Bye, Rob. Bye, Ed. <laughs>